0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right! Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going?
1: Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing wonderful. I'm super excited because the finals of City versus City is coming up next weekend.
1: I can't believe we've made it here. Medellin and New York City battled it out. That was super exciting. And then we got to see Bologna and Berlin battle it out. And that was super exciting. And so now we have Berlin and New York City.
0: I know. Who do you think is going to take it?
1: Gosh, that's going to be a tough one. I, I don't know. If there's a favorite here, it's really going to come down to who gets out of the, the gate strong and establishes a few points early, I think. But uh, it, it's pretty much a toss-up in my mind. I think
0: it's a toss-up, yeah. Well, what I, I remember in round one that it looked like New York had some uh, some plans for their pairs and their co-ops. Like They had choreographed routines and some really nice moves, and so that may give them the advantage there. Uh, and they're also shredders, but Berlin definitely shredders. And, you know, they had zero fails during their 1v1. They may be stronger there. It's hard to say, though. You're right.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting because we watched Metagene take New York right to the brink. And I thought, wow, Metagene is going to take this. And then there was the turning point where... Ted Oberhaus kind of had a little bit of a mess up in his 1v1, and Medellin didn't take advantage. And so that could have been the turning point, where it could have been Medellin versus Berlin very easy. And uh, so you can see how this can flip at any moment. That's what makes it really exciting.
0: I totally agree. So who do we have on the docket for today, Randy?
1: Uh, yes. Today's episode, we're going to finish our conversation with Dave Lewis and Arthur Coddington. In the past episode, we talked more about their co-op partnerships. And today, we're going to really focus on their pairs partnership. So enjoy.
2: Let's rewind a little bit, though, because we didn't win as a pair at the World Championships from 96 to 2001. So all the time that we were on that streak of co-op titles, we were coming up short in pairs. And so we had to do, like, the same thing we were doing as up-and-coming players we had to do as defending champion and then as team that won two years ago that didn't win again. We had to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, well, what did, what wasn't there yet for us? Um, was it that there was a transcendent performance, like in 97 with Randy, with your jet routine, where not much you can do when someone comes up with, like, an all-time great routine, in the, like, no matter what you do? Um, or was it we're not executing? or was it other teams are getting better? We had, we had to kind of retool every year. We kept getting better and we didn't, but I think a lot of things were still gelling for us as a team about how to compete and who we were as players and how do we what's the composition of a Dave and Arthur routine? I think it tried to get boring. Try not to get boring. and also like I think we pushed it so hard in 2000 that we learned our lesson, like the lesson Dave was talking about before of not having to do a 10 every time. We were so insecure about what do we need to do to win that we tried to put like such a gap between us and every other team in 2000 on diff that we couldn't pull it off. And the finals is kind of very difficult to watch. Um, but uh, we figured something out. From, from all of those failures, we learned from all those, like, we can call, like, to call it a failure, to call placing second or third or fourth or fifth in the world feels stupid to call it a failure, but we didn't achieve our goal. From the failure to achieve our goal, we learned. And by 2001, I think something happened by 2001 that we were just much more accomplished and much more confident and not insecure.
0: So you okay. think 2001 was the year that you arrived, that you really felt like you were the best players
2: 2001 was kind of a, a rebirth of us mm. as a pairs team
3: yeah we had some moments before that a few tournaments that were really gelled yeah but when we went to worlds it wasn't wasn't working out um and ironically um at that point arthur had moved away he was living in los angeles and i think around 2001 he moved away so we had that was, to yeah, that was
2: the year i moved to northern california but
3: we played so much together that it was easier to come up with a routine and easier to practice together and and make it work. Because that's why um, I think when you stick with the same team for a long time, you got that chemistry that works, like uh, Tommy Leitner, and, uh, Skippy Jammer, Joey, you, you know what I mean? It's like there's a connection that you have and then you, you can know what to do in the moment based on just one look at the other partner And they can tell when you need help, and they need to step it up, you know, and you got to know sometimes when you have to pull back. The chemistry, um, or or just working together for such a long time, working so hard, was starting to really pay off.
2: As I recall, also in 2000, we just allowed ourselves to go on a tangent on our freestyle. During that winter, we were playing a lot of upside-down stuff. And it was like, okay, we lost a lot, and we're also winning a lot, but as a pairs team, we lost a lot, so like... We're not going to work on anything in particular. We're just going to work on stuff we like. So let's do this cool upside-down stuff. Let's see how far we can take this. So we both started doing the double spinning upside-down leg over pulls, and we started to do more of the Saturn stuff. And we were doing some of it before we took it in a different level and a different depth that we were able to then circle back and find other ways to set ourselves apart uh, the next year.
3: Yeah, I think our confidence was really high at that point.
2: I remember taking a nap before the beer fun.
0: That's pretty what? confident. You have to really be <laughs> relaxed to do that. <laughs> Tell me, which years did you win pairs? Like, so you won 96, then what were the next two? 2001.
3: Well, um, 2003 and 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Three and four. we were very close in 2002. We were very close, but it didn't work yeah. out. But uh, And then Seattle the next year, uh, that was the last time we played Worlds together.
1: And, no, uh,
2: we played in Prague. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We had the reunion, Dave and Arthur reunion show in Prague.
1: that's right show i remember that and then that year dave you played with jake and i Mm -hmm. during (laughs) that reunion tour which is also a very interesting thing between the four of us Uh, our lines crossed a lot and we've all won world titles with each other in some form or shape which is kind of cool
3: yeah and that was great playing with you guys and um i think i pulled a muscle right before the um, finals the day before the finals and um we had to change up we we remember we had to go through the routine and figure out what i could do in the routine what i couldn't do so i was playing with a basically a pulled hamstring yeah i pulled it at the tournament in the side the um in the semis and i wasn't even doing a move i was mirroring mirroring um a flamingo position that uh randy was doing at the time you know i was thinking about, wait
1: wait 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 a second so you wait so you injured yourself doing some randy fluff
3: is that what you're trying to tell exactly me? <laughs> exactly i would call well, it. well
2: well well
3: <laughs> yeah so um you know uh something i forgot about as you back in we you know we played the worlds the worlds were started in paganello wait not paganello rimini rimini sorry uh, rimini um in 2003 i remember that was the year that the wind was insanely difficult They were deciding whether to go indoors and outdoors, and uh, the the umbrellas were in front of the beach, and we were a little bit back onto the stage, and the wind was going through the umbrellas and just doing some crazy stuff, and uh, we had to retool the routine right before we went out there. But I do remember that uh, this is sort of about playing the conditions. We played co-op, and we didn't do very well earlier in the day.
2: Um, We only got second.
3: Well, I, yeah, it, complete but, uh, failure, complete and utter failure. I'm not saying it was a failure. <laughs> I'm just saying that, uh, I, re- you know, I, you remember all the, the mistakes. Sometimes you, you, uh, come off routine and all you, re- sometimes all you remember is the, the, the bad stuff. Anyway, um, so what my point is that the wind was so bad. Uh, I, w- I had been doing, um, sets that were, that would, come in on me, and I would set the disc into the air, and it would come in on me and jam me, and I couldn't do anything, so it wasn't working out, and the catches I was trying weren't, weren't working out. I went to the sideline, and then I started saying, what catches are going to work in this wind? Because um, I was baffled. Like, I didn't know what we were going to do. So I just remember thinking oh, that a flawed, I, I found out that a set to a flawed worked perfect. Because you gave you enough space to do um, to, to to reach the catch without it jamming you. I couldn't do like a double spin into a like a barrel guidus or anything because that would jam me. And what I mean by jamming is meaning that the disc comes too close and you just can't catch it. So basically, I figured out three or four catches that would work in that wind. And then when we went to pairs, it worked out because I'd done that sort of retooling work that you have to do um sometimes you know when you have the the bad conditions you got to go back and sort of saying it would be insane to try this move in this wind so what's funny is that jake and i played pairs in that tournament together
1: yeah we had a full-on choreographed routine note to note to note to note and (laughs) it was either do the routine or go spontaneous because there was no how do we retool this it wasn't an option because everything was so tightly put together and we were like well we have just spent a whole year working with am not gonna just bail so we went for it we we tried to force that routine in that wind and it
0: ate us alive <laughs> i remember you
1: remember that jake
0: i painfully remember that Yeah, <laughs> see, i do to want to point afterwards. out the
3: semis you guys nailed it the semis the the day before. I remember the conditions were nice, and you and, and it was the evening, and it was going down. And uh, you guys had that great routine, and you just nailed it in the semis. Yeah, but there is that conversation that you know when you have something
1: so scripted, and the conditions are obviously not going to be where you can read that script. You have to go like, okay, I guess we're going to go spontaneous because that's the yeah. only option you got.
0: It was tough for me because at that at that time, that was I think that was the first time I'd ever had a really. Choreographed routine to that extent, and so I didn't want to. Even though probably the right call would have been to go spontaneous, I just didn't want to give up on it because we'd put in so much work, and I'd never experienced it before.
2: In the same way that the two thousand nine semis in Paganello was special for Randy and me, the two thousand three Paris final was had that same vibe, and it was in the same city. Um, but we we walked out on the on the red carpet. Not really knowing what would happen. It was not just expert only conditions, but almost unplayable conditions. And we just kind of felt it out and things started to happen. And if you watch the video, I don't like all the music's been stripped off the video on YouTube, but if you watch the video, you can see us kind of like feeling out the wind and then opening up. Everything was working because we were making decisions. We were seeing what was happening. We were setting it appropriately for the wind, and as with any competition, we also had luck on our side. Always, 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 there's luck. Uh, but that those four minutes are my proudest four minutes of Dave's and my competitive career. I wow. I remember walking away from the red carpet after the tournament was over, thinking, How am I ever gonna up that? That that was that was it. There's there's no better than that.
0: I remember watching you guys and thinking, this wind is crazy, and it it looks like they're playing in the perfect wind. I don't know how they do that, and I realized I needed to go back and practice so much more because the wind was really screwing me up, but you guys didn't even look like it bothered you at all.
3: Yeah, I think you just have to figure out the conditions um, beforehand on that day, because it depends on
2: that day. That was our 10,000 hours of wind play added up to those four minutes so it was like any anything could have happened with a wind gust and we had a couple of them in there that we grabbed but um because we had played in bad wind and great wind and like in some respects that was a tiny bit more than a winter wind at fraser so we kind of knew what would work if we could make it work and then the more the more things worked the more you get relaxed and It doesn't matter anymore because your brain is into it and you can kind of shift reality and and make extra stuff happen.
1: Yeah. And and when those conditions are like that, it's really key to get off to a smooth start. Because once you do get off to that smooth start, then you start to see the possibilities and can adapt and adjust. But if you don't get off smoothly, it's really hard to get it back.
3: Spiral downward.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
3: you know, there's another thing. You never We've made this mistake several times. Um, you think that it's not going well. You think because, you, because you're magnifying what went wrong in your mind. But then you get through the end of the routine, you're like, it, it actually turned out to be pretty good, but you kind of gave up on it. Or this happened to me. You know, I'd sometimes give up on it and and say, oh, well, this isn't working. Yeah. Um, and, and then regret it later. You know, actually, that's, you know, staying... Um, one of the things um, you, you talk about, Randy, is that you have to stay connected to the routine the whole time. And then when you get out of the routine, sometimes it doesn't quite work out as well. You know, when I mean get out of the routine, I mean you, you lose your focus. It's a very nuanced
1: thing. I mean, there's lots of different ways to kind of look at it and different ways to slice this pie. And that's part of what makes it fun, too. I mean, that's the challenge. That's that's what makes the sauce worth eating, did I just say that that's what makes the sauce worth eating?
0: The, it well,
2: was a crunchy yeah, sauce. With, it's very crunchy. a
0: sauce. It sauce popsicle. But since we're talking so much about your, your partnership together, I just wanted to ask, um, why did you guys eventually stop playing together?
3: Well, I think that we just felt that, you know, because we were winning a lot, I just f- kind of felt like, okay, that's enough. You know, I don't know what Arthur thought. But it, that enough of for forgetting the competition. We played a lot, and it's just together. And you know, we just wanted to um, then play with other people and see what that was like because we always played together. And most of the other, a lot of the other teams, you know, a lot of the other players, they play with different people all the time. I don't know I what know, you think, Arthur.
2: Yeah, I know that Dave wanted to play to team up with a bunch of other people throughout maybe the second half of when we were competing at the worlds together. For me. It was that I was satisfied. By two thousand four, I had eleven world championships, and that's that's enough. I'm satisfied. I can lift my head high and uh, and just jam if I want. But we won in two thousand four, so we had to defend. So two thousand five, we played again, and uh, we didn't win. So I was free.
0: Oh. <laughs> That's what did it so you were you' were satisfied but you had to defend and then you,
2: and <laughs> it free. sounds it sounds horrible it, it not was horrible. not like that but I mean we also we also we were on a quest to win with Pat Maron as well and we I'm really yeah. proud of the routines that we put together with Pat we just didn't happen to lay them down at the worlds but those are some of our best routines and those were really great creative exercises but by 2005 I was ready to experience freestyle in a different way. And um and not compete.
3: I like your answer better than mine, Arthur.
0: <laughs> but they're both totally valid. valid answers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Matt and I played together a ton and at some point I'm like, well, I would like to play with Arthur and I'd like to play with Dave Lewis and I'd like to play with all these other people, but if I keep playing with Matt, that's never gonna happen. So let's change it up. So I had that same experience that you had, Dave. But then I've now at this point I'm having the same experience that Arthur's had. I've competed a ton. I've done that. I want to try to experience it from a different perspective. So I'm competing a lot less and jamming a lot more and putting energy into things like this podcast and Frisbee Guru, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, yeah. it's a great way to experience it. It's a whole other perspective. So,
1: guys, thank you so much. I know it's um, an effort to do this and uh, really, really grateful and thankful that you guys carved out some time to do this with us. So
2: Yeah, I'm glad we made the effort and found the time. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for inviting us.
0: Wow, well, I just want to say thanks to Dave and Arthur for spending so much time talking to us about their history in the sport. Uh, and, and just to add, you know, when we were done talking to them, it seemed like we had so much more to talk about. I know that uh, we wanted to talk about like the uh, the freestyle training DVD that Dave put together. We could talk about that at right. all, and there's and there's so many topics. so it's just it's crazy how we talk to people for three hours or more, and still, there's way more to talk about.
1: I know. It's like we barely scratch the surface. Like, how do you talk to the Velasquez brothers for three hours? And you could talk to them for 20 hours. Same with Joey Hudaklin and Jeff Elberbaum and Donnie. I mean, all of them. So we're going to have to figure out how to circle back with all of these folks so that we can get the rest of the story, as they say.
0: Yes, totally. So with that, I just want to plug City versus City again, coming up February 9th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tune in. Don't miss it. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to it. And also, we'll be crowning an MVP that will be the mayor of Haynesville for 2019. And I think right now, Dad Husseinian and Daniel O'Neill are in the running for that title. So what do you think, Jake?
0: Huh, that's a good one. Yes. Well, they're, they would be my two picks at this point. Daniel and, and Meredad both had huge indies in their 1v1. And they also played really strong in their teams play. So yeah, that's a great call. But I how are we even going to decide?
1: I don't know. We might have to have the Hall of Fame judges make that call as well. So not only are we going to have the the champion of Hainesville, but we're going to also have a mayor of Haynesville. So that's going to be really fun to see how that all how that all shakes out. So on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next time.
0: Talk to you next time.